Well, guys, today we are talking about Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sunday school answer. <laughs> Sunday school answer. Um, no, we're going to be talking about his life, his death, and his resurrection. Uh, we are recording this on Palm Sunday. So what did Jesus do on Palm Sunday? He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's back while people just laid down palm leaves. And that's fun. He fulfilled, <laughs> <laughs> he fulfilled a prophecy in doing that. Um but uh, so in this was not originally in light of it being Easter time because we planned on recording this a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but in God's providence, we're talking about the Gospels around Easter time, and I feel like there couldn't be a better time to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and how each one of those is significant, um, both for the Gospel stories and for our lives. Uh, so just going to like open up the room and see if anybody has anything that they want to share, um, as far as like how Jesus life has impacted you. (laughs) (laughs) That's where we need the crickets. (laughs) It's like such a big question. Like how has life impacted us? Like, You what know, does Jesus mean to you? How much time a, do you have? That's such a broad question. I it almost is. think it's just um, just naturally easier to answer like a more specific question because that can go down so many avenues mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. where we were, you know, and what he's brought us through to where we are now and what we're going to continue to walk through with him. Um, that's just that's yeah. just a really broad question. but Well, let me ask it uh, in a different way then. Um Actually, just a whole new question. <laughs> <laughs> what did Jesus' life look like here on earth? It was an example for all of us. It was perfect. Yeah. Good Sunday school answer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah. Totally. Yeah. That covers the bases. <laughs> yeah. His life looked like him spending so much time in the Father's presence and being obedient mm-hmm. to what God had called him to do that his life became the word that he was the word and he gave us access to come to the throne room Mm -hmm. to live in freedom to walk by his spirit he paid a price that we might receive the holy spirit and he spent so many more years preparing like what was it 30 years that he spent preparing and then he had three years of ministry Mm -hmm. and side Mm -hmm. story or comment a lot of us want to be a different place or further along than we are now. And we don't realize how much time Jesus actually saturated in the, the presence of the father before he started that ministry and that he didn't operate and move when he wanted to, he did it by the father mm-hmm. and when God told him to, and in listening and being receptive to the voice of God is so important and to not get ahead of ourselves whenever we're representing Jesus. And we want to be somewhere we're may, maybe not at yet or that we're growing into and so just his life looked like him being a servant and he came to seek and to save the lost Yeah. and came and he was patient with people and he healed people and he stirred their, their thought process and the religious leaders and, and just, he, he flipped, he flipped things. He came and fulfilled, you know, like mm-hmm. prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Um, There's so. something called the great reversal. Uh, and that is what God does 
just like in his character is that he takes what you expect and he uses what you wouldn't expect to do the opposite. So where believe that where the strong are made weak and the <laughs> weak are made strong, where the first are last and the last are first, that's like the great reversal. And um, that's kind of like what Jesus' whole life was, is like he had very humble roots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is so what? We'll cut, we'll cut it out. I'll tell you after. I'm not going to say it right now. Jesus had such a humble life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Jesus had very humble roots. He, like, you think about it. He was born to a virgin mother. Probably nobody believed that she was virgin. You know, just you think about the stigma that, mm-hmm. like, comes a- around that. Mm-hmm. Um, because she wasn't married yet. She was betrothed, but she wasn't married yet. Yeah. Um, He had to go, like, he was virtually homeless for a little while because he was having to go to Egypt and then back to Nazareth, uh, all this stuff. But anyway, he had very humble roots, and his whole ministry was humility in a nutshell. Um. And yet he had authority and power that whole time. Yeah. And it's like just everything about his life, you wouldn't expect him to be who he was. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's what God does is he just takes what is unexpected and uses that as his kind of like catalyst. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a, that's a big point in Jesus life. And I think even we see that in our own lives so often that, he takes like things that we wouldn't expect to be used for his glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like flips it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting how he he got people to follow him from like all walks of life. So like Mark was like wasn't Mark like a physician? And then or no, that was Luke. Luke yeah. was the mm-hmm. physician. And then um Matthew was the tax collector. And so it's just like these people from like all professions and walks of life, like he he was such an example that they followed him. Mm-hmm. Luke wasn't dr- one of the 12, though. Right. Luke was... Um, later. Yeah, Luke was later, and people believe that he was a good friend of Paul. Right. But um, still, like, he wrote an account. Right. Like, I mean, which, I mean, it's a big deal. Um, <laughs> someone influences you so much that you write an account of their life. Like, mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I feel like in his account, Jesus is, like, portrayed as, like, savior of all. Like, everyone has a different kind of spin on it mm-hmm. and has a different like i feel like matthews is like kind of like jesus king of jews and then luke is like jesus savior of all and then i feel like john's is like jesus um suffering servant mm-hmm. you know and so it's like the it's one that loved me is really what he's going with right yeah. right. <laughs> right i'm the favorite but um yeah, I, I love th- that banter that he has with like Peter throughout his gospel, right? Because uh, he just throws in so many like different, just yeah. unnecessary details <laughs> yeah. about Peter. Um, but I think it's good that it's like that. Yeah, that like it, the humanity in the story, right? You know, um, but yeah. So Jesus' life was about humility. It was about humanity. It was about ministry. Um, but overall, it was to reveal who God was. He was the great mystery revealed. Um, but it was destined 
to look like a failure. It was destined to look like he was not who he said he was. Right. So let's talk about his death a little bit. Um, why did the Jews kill him, and why was his death significant for us today and for his ministry? The Jews killed him because he came and basically told them that their religious osity or however you want to word that, like them trying to make everybody abide by the law and all of those things was wrong. Mm -hmm. And he totally flipped people's ideas and opinions of what that looked like. And like you said, he revealed who God is and they didn't like that. They wanted the say. They wanted the final authority over religious beliefs and systems. They wanted to to basically just dominate in that area. And he came in and was like, no, yeah, he, this is the way walk in it. Yeah. And they didn't like that. Yeah, they wanted God to fit their box. They didn't want a God that could not be put in a box. Right. And it seems like, like Jesus was all about love. Like, obviously, truth, too, but... Jesus is love, you know, God is love. And so I think even nowadays, but even back then, it's so much easier to follow law than to love. Like love is not easy. You mm -hmm. know, there's people that you come across that you're like, oh, I love you. Like you're easy to love. But Jesus loved everyone, even the people that crucified him. And so I think that's, it's just, it's just crazy that, yeah. you know. Yeah. They were definitely more works-oriented. Mm -hmm. And we, side note, we need to be really careful as the body of Christ to not be that, not be the religious people that Jesus was correcting. Yeah, it's very tempting. It is. It's very easy to fall into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you have to, you know, make sure that you're communing mm -hmm. with God and you're hearing his voice because if you're not listening to his voice, you're probably listening to the enemy's voice and you will get over in that religious spirit instead mm -hmm. of the relational spirit that you're supposed to have. Yeah. So, which that's not to say that works aren't important, but they're important because you are saved. The motive of your works, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The motive of your works. And so like what's in your heart will come out in your life. And you saw that with, you know, with Jesus, like mm -hmm. his heart was for his father. His heart was for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Jesus, uh, the Jews, they, uh, had this very just like set in stone idea of what the Messiah would look like. They believed in a Messiah. They believed that there would be end times and that God would send somebody to, um, get rid of the Roman empire, get rid of all of the other, um, just antagonists in their storyline. Um, but they, ex they expected like a military leader, like somebody who would be like King David, who would be in front of all the armies, um, that would slay the Goliaths. Um, but Jesus in his life, it was all about humility. And so it didn't look like that at all. It was the great reversal. It was Jesus Christ coming not to slay the Goliath, but be slain by the Goliath. Um, and so that's significant. His death is significant because it's actually what paved the way for us to be saved from those armies, from the forces of evil, from the forces of the world, um, which ultimately is sin. 
So we are saved from our sins because of his death. Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the perfect lamb that all of Scripture kind of points to. So throughout Scripture, we see lambs being sacrificed for the sins of others, for sin debt. Um, It was a sin sacrifice. And all throughout Scripture, God is pointing to a perfect lamb, to a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus Christ is that sacrifice. He He died a criminal's death on a tree, which is like a cursed death. He became a curse for us um, so that we could experience life eternal, Mm -hmm. forgiven from our sins and life with Christ. Um, I'm out of breath. (laughs) Preach this. Um, But uh, yeah, so his death was significant. Um, and the reason that they killed him was significant. David, did you have anything to add? Um, not not really kind of along the lines you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was just reading, just kind of t- still talking about his death. Like um, I was reading about um, the interaction with Pilate yesterday. And like just kind of thinking about how some of us could be Pilate at some, at some times in our life, like very passive and like I don't want anything – to do with this but it's like all of our sins put him there yeah and it's mm-hmm. like and he tried to wash his sin like wash his hands of his blood but they were his blood was still on his hands yeah mm-hmm. and he took that away mm-hmm. and so like just little stuff like that like yeah. kind of catches my attention it's so interesting that you bring that up though because that's something that stuck out to me a while back ago when I was reading that same story in John, um, you know, Pilate, he, it's kind of like sad. Like, Pilate didn't have any reason to want to kill Jesus. Pilate wasn't a Jew. He was a Roman counselor, I believe. Um, but basically the Jews went to him and were like, we want him dead. We want him crucified. And Pilate actually tried to, like, get him released. That's yeah. why we see the whole thing with Barabbas. Mm-hmm. And yet they were still like, no, we're going to, we want Jesus to be crucified. Um, His wife even tried to warn him. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, and your wife comes to you and she's like, I had a dream last night that this is not a good idea. Yeah. And you're still, like, just afraid of, Yeah, he was just afraid of outrage. He was afraid mm-hmm. of He was afraid of them backlash. mobbing. Yeah. Um, but, the point that you brought up about him washing his hands, I, I, I see the irony in that so much. So he washes his hands and says, because you say, say this, his blood is on y'all's hands. It's talking to the Jews. And so the Jews, what they say is, may his blood be on our heads and our hands and on our children's heads and our hands, and on their children's, and for all the generations to come. And the irony of that is is that his blood washes us of our sins. Mm -hmm. So praise God that his blood is on us. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think that is so awesome. That is really cool. Um, But yeah, like, like I have nothing else to add. (laughs) God's a comedian, dude. I think it's... It's it's just so, it's providential. Yeah. yeah, like everything that goes on with that. But yeah, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say too. I think the Barabbas thing is so ironic too because, like, we're Barabbas, you know, like mm-hmm. we didn't deserve 
to be set free, but we got set free and Jesus paid the penalty, you know? Yeah. I always think that's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, something that my pastor point out, pointed out this morning was that, so with the cross, there was a, pr- there's a procession, like after Jesus Christ is beaten, um, he then like the robes are torn off of him and he has to carry this wooden beam that is like the horizontal piece of the cross. Mm-hmm. He has to carry it over to the stake that is the vertical piece. Um, and through this procession, the Romans like had this procession as a way for somebody to make an appeal. So to object that Jesus was guilty, not Jesus in particular, but like for any criminal, it was an opportunity for them to um, vouch on the criminal's behalf. And the fact that nobody spoke up, it's just like, it's kind of like disheartening. It's like, but at the same time, it's God's providence because this needed to happen. Right. Exactly. Okay. So we've talked about his life. We've talked about his death. Let's talk about his resurrection a little bit. Why is that significant? And why, and like, what does it mean for us as Christians, for us who believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead? I think it's, um, I think it's hope, man. Like this, I was kind of saving this for, um, next time, but, um, I think that a lot, like the hope part is what draws people in. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the resurrection does. Like it's used so much in the new Testament, um, to convey messages, to, to make points, but it's just, it's also just such it's hope for everyone. It's like he died on the cross for our sin, but then he conquered death and, like there's something there's there's no way to not be overjoyed about that, and I just think that that's just just the point of ministry um, throughout the rest of the epistles, and yeah, I just think that it's it signifies hope and it just put off your old self and put on your new self. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if he didn't resurrect, that would kind of botch the whole prophecy, the whole everything, you know, like our mm-hmm. whole faith really relies on that. Um, but like you were saying, it does play into the hope and just that it also symbolizes like when we have that relationship with Jesus and when we recognize him as our savior, mm-hmm. we die like mm-hmm. our, you know, we die, but then we become born again. So right. it's like we kind of have this resurrection as well through Jesus. Right. Yeah. yeah. Paul says that if the resurrection, if there is no resurrection, then pity on us like we're the fools Mm -hmm. for believing in this gospel for telling these gospel accounts but if the resurrection did happen if the resurrection is real which he attests to it to it that it is because he's seen jesus christ himself and he gives other uh, like accounts where there were like 500 people that saw him at one time and most of them were still alive when he was writing the epistle um he talks about uh how Jesus Christ revealed himself to uh, the disciples and over a time period of like 40 days. And so he's going into an account that like he's making a point that the resurrection did happen. But what he's saying is that because the resurrection, we can be resurrected, just as you were saying. Mm -hmm. We can be resurrected and born again um, into a new life, into a new creation, hidden in glory with Jesus Christ that will be revealed when judgment day comes, when he comes again. <clears throat> um, 
but the resurrection is also significant because if Jesus Christ wasn't resurrected, then he really was just a rebel. He really was just a false prophet, according to the Jews. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at it, like this was probably Paul's point of view on the whole thing be- or before he was converted, before he had his encounter with Jesus. Mm-hmm. His point of view was probably like, this guy is distorting all of the scriptures. He's blaspheming against God, saying that he is God. The Jews don't believe in multiple gods, and yet this guy is saying that he is God and that God is in heaven, so how can there be, like, how can that be if he's saying there's, that there's only one God? Right. Um, he's just, he's doing all these different types of things, and it looks like Jesus Christ is forsaken. It looks like God is punishing Jesus Christ. It looks like he really is just a false prophet because he's dying a criminal's death. He's cursed on a tree. But the thing that just takes all of that and flips it around, the great reversal, is that he's resurrected. And if he's resurrected, then he must be on God's good side. He must be who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um uh, that, that's another thing that I forgot to bring up about his death um, is that when he was forsaken on the cross, he, uh, he quotes Psalm 22. He says, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's been a lot of like just confusion around that quote. Um, so I wanted to see what you guys thought, like what he means by that. A lot of the, just side note, the, a lot of the Old Testament is types and shadows of the New Testament, um, in, including that when David said that and then Jesus made that statement. But also before God sent Jesus, his only son, to pay for our sins, there was Abraham and Isaac. Mm-hmm. And you just see different types and shadows of the Old Testament and the obedience and the prophecy that you see in the New Testament. I just think that that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, but I wonder too, if like, you know, when he said that he'd taken all of our sin on him. So he's just like this pile of sin basically, you know? And so obviously God is perfectly holy. He can't be in the presence of sin. So he turns his back and that's, that's that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So Jesus Christ, he takes on all of our sin and he had to do that in order for us to be saved from our sin. So when he does that, God has to turn his back. He has to forsake Jesus Christ. Um, and that's, you know, when he dies. But everybody, like non-believers or people that are, or people that are um, kind of like looking into Christianity, they see that and they're like, what God would turn his back on his only son mm-hmm. that's doing this? And the thing is, is that it's not, it's not, a question out of desperation. It's a rhetorical question. And he's not really so much asking God. He's asking the Jews. He's saying, one, because he's quoting scripture. He is still to the very end standing by his ministry. Mm -hmm. But he's not asking God, why have you forsaken me? He knows why God has forsaken me. He wants everybody else to see why God has forsaken him. Mm-hmm. And it's so that they could be saved from their sins. And it gives 
it gives so much like it like cements faith even more because it's like wow even in that moment when jesus god's son is full of sin god's character does not change right like he will not have anything to do with sin yeah and it's like you were saying like he had to turn his back on on him in that moment and that's an unfamiliar feeling to jesus right yeah Mm -hmm. up until that moment god had been right there with him and that's why he had so much confidence in his ministry and yeah yeah and like that just sheds a whole new light too on what Jesus was anticipating in the garden of Get- of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. You know, he like he knew that he was going to be forsaken. He knew that he was going to be taking on all of that sin. Right. And like if you've spent every moment of your life with God in the presence of God being God, yeah. Then how excruciatingly just like yeah, that's insane. Cause Fearful like, would that be? Especially because, I mean, we all say, oh, Jesus died for us, and we, like, see a picture, and he's hanging on a cross, you know, like a couple blood drips coming from him, and it's like, that is so not, like, he was tortured disgustingly, you know. Yeah, and then the... But the, then... <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, like, obviously we can't even imagine what kind of pain he went through, but having God turn his back, like you're like you were saying that, would be excruciating like that mm-hmm. had have been the worst part yeah what are you gonna say david i was just gonna say like you know i know they do this for censorship but like he was most definitely naked mm-hmm. on the cross yeah. like and then you know in the pictures it's just portrayed like oh he's got a little cloth around mm-hmm. him right but even know. even around all of that he had been stripped of of his flesh of his decency and um he had been stripped of his innocence. He he mm-hmm. was now made sin. Yeah. And yet, despite all of that, he still had authority. Um, so in, uh, what is, I think it's Luke, or maybe it's Matthew, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then he goes into saying that I have authority to lay down my life and to pick it up again. Mm-hmm. And the scripture says when Jesus Christ is on the cross that he said he yells out, it is finished. And then it says that he laid down his life. It didn't say that his life was taken from him. Mm-hmm. It didn't say that he lost his life. It said that he laid down his life. But then the good news is that three days later he picked it up again. Right. Yeah. He was resurrected. And... We have our faith because of it. And we're going to end it on that note. Um, But next week, we're going to be talking about sharing the gospel and how the gospel is shared in the epistles. So glad to be able to do this with you guys. We'll see you next week.